This is The Playbook. Welcome to Money Talks with David Meltzer. And I have the most iconic New York stockbroker in history. He's called the Einstein of Wall Street and for a reason. Peter Tuckman, welcome to Money Talks. Thank you so much, David. Thrilled to be here, guys. Congratulations on the new show. Thank you so much for joining us on the new show. And look, there's so much that has changed throughout your career being on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Um, what do you see most that has changed from uh, the early days as being a stockbroker on the floor to today? So I'm really happy that we're doing this and I'm here. We're here on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Market is closed. I believe Mr. Kramer is on the other side of the room about to start his show. And so, and I've been here for 37 years, some say 137 years. For me, look, due to technology in any business, we are seeing a bit of an outsourcing of the human being. And there's probably very few businesses where it is as important as this one, where the human element is maintained, curated, embraced as the markets, right? As money, right? You're talking about what money talks, who's listening. Uh, at the end of the day, people have been trading something, whether it's a commodity, whether it was back in the day in the 16th and 17th century, trading uh, uh, tulip bulbs or commodities of any kind, whether it be gold or silver or spices or whatnot. Throughout history, one human being to another, there has been trading. I think it sort of represents the whole beginning of humankind in so many ways. And I would be able to go back to outside the New York Stock Exchange back in the 1700s under the buttonwood tree. It was one human being to another uh, trading whatever it may be, a stock when companies started to go public, a commodity, whether it was gold, silver, lumber, or, or potatoes. And then there was actually an agreement that was done in the late 1700s called the Buttonwood Agreement, which basically established, established the, your word is your bond from one human being when you and I are doing business, right? We may not interact, we may not exchange cash per se, but that when you and I make a deal and our word is our bond, then we have an agreement from one human being to another, trust and whatnot. So for me, back when I started here in 1987, there were 8,000 people in this room. There was a support staff. There were squads and runners and clerks and reporters. And it was the open outcry, the great years of open outcry. Everyone should go back and see the original Wall Street movie with Michael Douglas or the later movies that you've seen or a lot of old footage where the human element and open outcry was the way we screamed and yelled and traded stocks. And I could, you know, it's a quarter for 100,000, 100,000 and a half, take them. It's a half for 100,000, two quarters, take them. I'll sell you 200,000, a quarter for a million, let's do it. So there was that wild and enthusiasm, adrenaline, which is what attracted me to this business in the first place. So unfortunately, over time and technology, a lot of human beings have been outsourced in every business, not just ours. And so I would think the biggest change, even though here at the New York Stock Exchange, we still are the last bastion of capitalism, the last market where there are human beings involved, that is probably the biggest change, where technology and the handheld computer has outsourced a lot of the human beings that were here and a lot of the support staff. And to that measure, uh, there's a lot of security that comes from the technology. There's a lot of transparency that comes through the technology. Um, but there's also a lot of manipulation and information that comes through technology. And both you and I have had discussions on how now so many people can be involved in trading, but yet, unfortunately, there's no financial literacy. There's no financial education 
uh, and so many people are being manipulated or taken advantage of. And unfortunately, the majority of the people that are being taken advantage of when it comes to trading or collectibles, et cetera, are getting misinformation and guided in the wrong direction. Uh, what can we do to help people understand just basics of trading, whether it's gold or whether it's stocks or whether it's sneakers, whatever it may be, to understand how a market works and how best to invest in that market? So look, technology, obviously, I'm not, I, I don't, still don't own a computer, so I don't really uh, uh, embrace technology that much. But at the end of the day, it's offered us a lot of things. Information is one of them. Right, but it's also given us access to bad information. Right, there's an information highway, and it's very hard behind the walls of a cell phone or a computer to vet the information that you're having. And what I will often say to people is look, there are a lot of people, and we've seen it a lot lately. There are a number of people on Twitter spaces and other organizations that create a community. It's the old Jordan Balford pump and dump syndrome, where if I create a community and I have a lot of people who sort of trust me and I give them stock signals and things to buy when I've already gone out and bought these these commodities or these entities, and then I go to my people, my 60,000 or 600,000 people who follow me, who are in my community, I tell them to go buy it. And when they're all rushing to buy it on fear of missing out, I'm out there selling it. It's a classic pump and dump. So there is a lot of information out, a lot of bad information out there. There are a lot of bad actors in the space. And I believe the only defense against this is to basically is to learn how to navigate the market successfully yourselves. I can give you a toolbox. I can fill it with tools. The best way not to be taken advantage of from a rug pull, a rug pull or a scam is for you to do the homework yourself. You also, although you may not utilize a computer, you do utilize social media to educate and to raise awareness. And you also are in the collectible space. Uh, you have launched your own NFT, uh, understanding and building a marketplace for the betterment of all. Uh, how do you see this new future of collectibles and trading collectibles when it comes to, for example, your NFT? So, you know, look, I, unfortunately, you know, look, we had the heyday of crypto for a while. We had the, uh, the heyday of NFTs where everybody with a pudgy penguin or a funny looking chimp could launch it back in 2021 and it would sell out instantly. And, you know, and everyone would buy them and trade them and this and that. And they had people thought they had value. But at the end of the day, what we've seen often with bubbles and with bursts and with trends and with excitement, irrational enthusiasm, that if there's no utility behind it, then at the end of the day, it's a short-term play, right? It's like, you know, you can be rich and you can be wealthy. Being rich is someone who has money for a short period of time. Wealth is something that's built over time, that's sustainable for you, your children, your children's children. Look, if you love something and you're buying it for its use, that's one thing. But if you're buying it for its value, look, in the old days, gold was something that was being bought because it had, we had been taught that it was a hedge against inflation. That if you bought something that had physical value, that you would always be able to transfer it into cash if you needed that. And when markets were going up, people would sell the gold and they would get into equities. When the markets would go down, people would buy something that they could hold in their hand. We were sold a bit of a bill of goods around crypto that way, 
because people thought, okay, this is another, this digital currency is going to be a hedge against inflation, a hedge against the downward market. In fact, it turned out not to be that way. When markets went up, crypto went up. When markets went down, crypto went down. And what we've seen over the last year is the markets come up against some headwinds and it's been a bit of a hurricane, as it were. And crypto's gone down, NFTs have gone down. And the only ones, survival of the fittest, are ones where there is real utility. What I love talking with you about is not collectibles, but capabilities. And you're so good at distinguishing whether it's stocks or sneakers or gold or silver or other collectibles, NFTs, crypto, talking about the capabilities and then adding to it an essential component, which you're an expert at only through experience, which I call timing and risk tolerance. It's very hard to understand timing and risk tolerance if you haven't been around for a little bit of time. Uh, and I find a lot of people that have started or dipped their toe uh, may have a dip the toe timing, uh, but someone that's been on the stock exchange floor for as long as you has great perspective of timing and risk tolerance. Where do you see the outlook for the markets today considering someone who has such a great vast wealth of knowledge when it comes to understanding for yourself giving the toolbox with the non-fungible Tuchman uh, of the capabilities of knowing this is aligned with my timing and risk tolerance. You know what, look, where, where I find the ultimate value comes, and I learned this from you, and I recently nicknamed me the connector, right? And I was on a call the other night and someone said that the opposite of addiction is connection, right? And so, you know, addiction is something that when someone uses, to take you to a very high place for a very short period of time. It doesn't have sustainable value. But connection does, putting the connection of people to opportunity, right? And so I see that. Look, when somebody asks me, they'll come to me and say, you know what, Peter, what should I invest in? What do you see is something that has growth? And it's very hard for me to do that. I try and say to them, find something. First of all, you and, know, you and I love to try and get people to find something they love to do. It's not our line, but it's, it's a great line. You'll never work a day in your life if you find something you love to do. Then we are one of the greatest consumer generations in the world too. We love to buy stuff, right? And I'm a firm believer, one and nine, it's not my line, but it's one. Look, I'm just a function of all the wonderful things I've learned. This answers your question. I am a function of all the one, I'm a good listener. I am forever a humble student of life and the market. And I, it's a matter of, a matter of putting together all the things I've learned over time. I'm a firm believer in investing in stocks and not stuff, right? Things that have value to me. We love the things we love, but they have value to everybody in a different sort of a way. Risk tolerance is a funny thing. Look, I cannot be your financial advisor and I can't tell you what to invest in for the future. But I think if you invest in a skill and a mindset about positivity, about motivation, Look, I'm a firm believer. Look, my, my parents are Holocaust survivors. They came back, they came to this country after their families were decimated with absolutely nothing. My father felt himself a humanist, right? Connecting people, being able to empower other people. He felt that the what you can get from someone else by just holding their hand, he became a very well-known doctor. And he was not somebody who was able to adopt to the new world of computers. He felt he could find out more from a patient by just walking into the room, looking in their eyes and holding their hand. So I beg everyone to, we are, we are, we are in an environment where we 
we hide behind our phones, we hide behind our computers. That's kind of why I love and endorse and I'm the ambassador of the floor of the stock exchange because I think we never should ever, and this is what you do, never lose sight of the power of one human being connecting another. When you were out on, on Times Square a couple of months ago, you talked about that, that, that the value and the strength that we can get one person talking to another, and then that person hearing the message and sharing that with one other person, even though that seems sort of very short-term and not a big thinking concept in this world we have of information and the mega metaverse and all that kind of stuff, it's so much more significant and important. Yeah, it sure is. And you also give a class on doing your best, learning lessons, and having fun. And I know most people don't realize that you and I have a great tax strategy as well. And that's the tax strategy of sharing our dummy tax, which I always say by sharing our dummy tax, and you and I have paid enough dummy tax for probably the entire country, uh, but we are humble enough to illuminate uh, that dummy tax so that other people don't have to pay it, which I always tell people when they ask me for different uh, tax advice or tax strategies, I said, let me tell you about my dummy tax, and now I know confidently uh, that I'm setting you forth in the right trajectory. Well, Peter, you're setting forth so many people in that trajectory with your non-fungible Tookman, with your unbelievable human understanding of markets and of understanding the idea behind a toolbox so that we can make more money, help more people, and have more fun. It's an honor to have an icon in the midst of money talks. This is David Meltzer with Peter Tuckman. Thanks for joining me, my friend. Absolutely a pleasure, sir. Honored.